0: There's no secret source to this that requires you to jump ship and search for some Yoda-like character in a forest somewhere to teach you the real way of doing things. Yes, it requires a competent coach, of course. Don't rely on someone who got their Cert 3 in fitness online over the weekend to teach you about Olympic weightlifting. But for the most part, you're going to have to work for it and be accountable where things don't develop as quickly as you would (laughs) like. Welcome to The Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my earlier years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Waiting Game Podcast. I am your one and only host for the podcast, Brandon Wakeling. Olympian, and multiple-time representative at the Commonwealth Games. And for this episode, I'm going to be talking about something that I'm sure everyone has had experiences with from time to time in weightlifting, and that is training plateaus. So I'm going to talk about my experiences with them, as I've had a lot, and talk about when I've found them somewhat warranted due to factors out of my control, and also when I've taken accountability and made a conscious effort and strategy to overcome the seemingly forever feeling that a training plateau can give. Now, to start, what I'm going to do is rattle off a few numbers here in relation to my own personal experience with training plateaus in weightlifting. So, for myself, it took 1,277 days between going from a 128 kilo snatch to a 130 kilo snatch. And to go from 127 to 128 took me 474 days. It took me 361 days to go from 170 to 175 kilos in the clean and jerk. And it's been just over 930 days since I last PB'd my clean and jerk. It's been 912 days since I last PB'd my back squat. And one more just to show that plateaus aren't exactly linear in the way that they are set out so it took me 194 days to go from 95 kilos to 100 kilos in the snatch but then only took me 73 days to go from 100 to 110 kilograms I thought I would share those numbers before getting into the podcast just to show the people that may be going through somewhat of a plateau right now Taking myself, for example, those that may be looking at me as someone that's, say, been to the Olympics or Commonwealth Games, some may think that you know I'm hitting big lifts all the time, PBing, climbing, going to the Commonwealth Games, going to the Olympics, when that's not always the case. As I've just shown, sometimes it takes years to reach a PB in certain lifts, just like I said with my snatch. So for those out there that are going through any kind of plateau, just know that it's common from all levels, from beginner all the way up to those that are at the Olympic Games. Now, as I get into this podcast, I think firstly, the thing that I see or have experienced myself is the need to distinguish a training plateau from simply just being impatient with training, because this is a process. This isn't something that you can just keep on jumping up all the time. And for starters, I think people overestimate how much they can do in the short term, but underestimate how much they can achieve in the long term if they stay consistent with their course of action in training. Now, you may know people who have done this, where they say go through one training cycle, let's say 12 weeks. They don't PB or gain the desired result that they're expecting by following a specific training program made by their coach. So what they do after this 12 weeks, after this desired result, hasn't been achieved. Instead of taking any accountability or giving one moment to reflect on the past training cycle, what they do is throw blame on the coach, the program, or both, and then they do what we call coach hop, which is pretty self-explanatory, but it means to continuously change coaches in search of some secret in hitting these PBs they apparently want to work towards, but these previous coaches and programs are apparently wrong and aren't the answer. Now, this doesn't limit to purely hopping coaches. You can stay with the same coach, but you can also be shifting and changing entire training methodologies in general. Say you're following a more linear Soviet approach to your training, going from sevens down to ones for your squats, for instance, and then changing and doing a squat every day program because that other way of training apparently doesn't work for you. With this approach, the chasing of constant variation And seeking for complex answers to simple questions is a recipe for long term stagnation and perhaps even resentment in the sport or the snatch clean and jerk in general. The truth is, with weightlifting, as much as self proclaimed experts on social media try to sell you on the complexities in order for you to buy a program off them, the pursuit is actually quite simple once you've gained somewhat of an understanding for the movements technically. The technique involved in the snatch and clean and jerk is not easy, don't get me wrong. But you simplify it with your coach. You don't try to solve everything at once. You break the lifts down, only work on specific cues until they become somewhat ingrained, and then you bring attention to something else. And of course you'll revisit certain technical aspects, but this is all a part of the refining process, not exactly rocket science. When we talk about the entire weightlifting process as a whole, You can even pin it to resistance training in general. The process is unfortunately not as glamorous as some may think, which I think is partly the reason why some people may hop from coach to coach or program to program, looking for some secret to make it easier upon themselves. There's no secret source to this that requires you to jump ship and search for some Yoda like character in a forest somewhere to teach you the real way of doing things. Yes, it requires a competent coach, of course. Don't rely on someone who got their Cert 3 in fitness online over the weekend to teach you about Olympic weightlifting, but for the most part, you're going to have to work for it and be accountable where things don't develop as quickly as you'd like. Reverting back to my own experience, because that's all I can really speak upon. None of this is particularly advice, more of what I've observed, experienced personally, and fought to overcome. So here's some reasons why I personally felt I've reached a plateau in my numbers I listed at the start of the episode. And the first and probably biggest one for me has been injuries. When you're injured, your momentum obviously gets halted, and in weightlifting, momentum and gradually increasing load over long periods of time uninterrupted is everything. The amount of times I've suffered an injury of some sort, whether that's acute or chronic That has essentially resulted in me starting from square one again. And I've lost count of the number of times that I've had to start from square one. Unfortunately, it's all part of the process. But also, I take accountability for what I could have done differently to minimize the risk of injury. Or what, say, rehab, accessory exercises I could have done to shorten the length of modified training. Now, the next one for me personally, that's played a big part in my lengthier periods of training plateaus is competing too often, or I would say not exactly the act of competing, but lengthy periods of stress for those that, say, aren't competing all the time, but still may have symptoms of what I'm explaining here. So, for instance, this has more to do with my Olympic qualification period that I went through to make Tokyo. So, for those that don't know, this period went almost five years long, And an example of something that brought great stress upon me in terms of competing a lot was in 2019, I lifted in six different countries. So it was less about the competition itself, but more about the constant travel and the stress of lifting in high pressure international competition, which amplifies the come down from a peak for a competition. With having a level of stress above what I would consider the norm, I found my injury risk was higher. And I didn't really have the chance to just focus on training as I had another competition just pop up around the corner. Another one for me which contributed to periods of being stagnant in my training is not pushing the envelope when I needed to. At times in my weightlifting career thus far, I've gone through phases where I have become hyper-focused in my technical proficiency, to the detriment of actually improving in my lifting numbers. I would say work up in the snatch to 80%. I'd watch a set of what I've just filmed of that lift, overanalyze, and then drop back the weight to work on technique. All too often. This led throughout the training cycle where it was time to push. I didn't. Due to this irrational focus on technical efficiency. Which leads into the next thing I wanted to bring up, which kind of plays hand in hand with this. And that is changing technique drastically all too often instead of making subtle changes to your technique as you should and only working on a limited number of cues at one time i would make a number of big changes to my technique all too often which would leave me working in different positions and not really moving the needle when it came to working in a specific line and getting comfortable going heavier within that line of movement Now, they are just a few ways that I felt had led to moments of stagnation in my lifting within the context of increasing my 1RMs. When it comes to overcoming these plateaus in my training, the number one thing helping me do so was taking accountability with what was and what wasn't going well and then adjusting accordingly. Whether that was doubling down on my accessories or rehabilitation work or simply pushing my training more, perhaps not deviating from the plan that myself and my coach had set out, And at times, it was also more of a lifestyle factor, and making sure that I'm sleeping better, eating better, and other factors within that realm have assisted me in getting the most out of my training. Now, it takes a lot for me to decide that a certain program or coach is the problem. If I haven't stuck to the plan set out, or given it my all, it's very audacious of me to point the finger at someone or something else as the problem. As in most instances, it's just not the case. So being reflective and accountable and perhaps mapping out what worked, what didn't, what needs work at the end of each cycle you go through can be more productive in working towards breaking through a plateau. Now, that's all I pretty much wanted to touch on for today's episode. I'm sure I could go on about the topic of training plateaus more, so perhaps it's a topic I can touch on in future. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. One last thing before I go. Touching on last week's Friday at the bar, we started and did our first fun complex, which was the front squat plus split jerk, and I come dead last with I think 74% of my best front squat within the last year. I believe the winner hit 88%, which was just insane. So, if anyone that wants to have a bit of fun in their training and join in on the weekly complex, I will leave a link to join the private Facebook group for Friday at the bar. Aside from the weekly complex, which is just a bit of extra fun. I also like to post more personalized content around weightlifting. So things that I find motivational, informative, it can be something technical. And also it's open to people who are like-minded within a weightlifting community. So whether that's posting questions yourself, sharing accomplishments, anything is encouraged within the group. So on that note, I will leave it there and I will see you guys all next week for another episode. See you later.